0: You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of
1: Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. We are so delighted today to have some of our dearest friends in the vineyard with us, and some people that we've known here uh, in the the Augusta Vineyard. Wow, for almost thirty years. Uh, uh, Rick and Ellen Coffin. Uh, they are just phenomenal people. They're some of my some of my personal heroes. It's great to have friends that are also heroes, and uh, they certainly are that. They planted uh, the Marietta Vineyard uh, outside Atlanta. Uh, did that faithfully. A wonderful church. that planted other churches, and then uh, they actually back in college, they felt God's call to them to go to India, but that uh, the actual actualization of that happening took place many, many years later. They finally were released to go to India, and they lived there for 10 years and and really established a wonderful vineyard partnership there in India, uh, which many of us have had the chance to go over and be a part of that. Uh, It takes uh, a really special person to get me, who doesn't like to fly, on a flight for 17 hours and uh, and it was a, a life-changing, wonderful experience. They are now back in the United States uh, because of a lot of changes that have happened in India. They'll share more about that. They're based out of Chicago, but we love these folks. We support these folks. This church uh, has the privilege of of serving along with them and our just being obedient to God's uh, call to us, to Jesus' call to, to go to our Jerusalem, our, our local community, our Judea, our region, all people groups, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And uh, through Rick and Ellen, we get to do that. Uh, It's one of the ways that we get to do that. So would you please join me in welcoming some wonderful dear friends, Rick and Ellen Coffin. Hi
2: guys, we have been Uh, connected to you for over 30 years. That's crazy. And I just wanted to tell you, um, we really want to celebrate with you all the good things that are going on here. in fact, this morning uh, we talked to a waitress that um, was furloughed during COVID and she came here to the food pantry. And it was an awesome experience for her. And she was, you know, crying like I'm crying because it was just uh, so wonderful. And you know, God's really blessed you guys to bless the community, and that's that's awesome. So just want to applaud you for that and encourage you in all the good things that are going on here. And uh, and that's what I'm, I wanted to share. So. So we went to India, Um, we got back actually in March of 2020, and then we were planning to go back at the end of March, and uh, and then everything shut down, India shut their borders. They're still pretty much shut. Like, we just are on a tourist visa now, so we can't go there. And um, so we have been in Chicago. first time for a whole year so I experienced all the four seasons in chicago so that um but while we were there so we um you know like i'm sure a lot of you guys have really gotten good at zoom <laughs> and so um on zoom so we had what we're doing mainly in india right now is um what we call discipling disciple makers and encouraging disciple makers to multiply and start discovery groups in homes and stuff like that. So we had started training people in that all over India. There's vineyards in, I think, 11 different states in India. They're pretty spread out, like north, south, east, west. And uh, in fact, we have a map Um, in the back. You guys can pick up if you like, and um, so we've been, um, these are six couples that we're, like, focusing on. They're the most productive right now in this disciple-making thing. Uh, When COVID started, we had, we were doing training classes. We had, like, 35 students, and like Rick said, we were kind of you know, we're a little crazy. We were doing midnight classes and all kinds of stuff because they're on the opposite time zone as us. And uh, so we were doing a lot of stuff like that. And now we are mainly focusing on these six couples. Although um, what I'm doing a lot of is uh, I got, every week I gather prayer requests from all the vineyards, whoever I'm in touch with, and then I make a PowerPoint uh, presentation of whatever we've found out that week that's going on in India, and then I have a Zoom prayer group on Thursday night. And any of you are invited to come to just try it and see It's amazing to me that, you know, for a year and a half, people have gathered every week to pray for India on Zoom. And we never know who's gonna show up, but every week people show up. And it's such a great time. I mean, the people that come regularly just, it's like one of the highlights of their week. And uh, and we've gotten really close to those people. And it's so funny, like at first, you know, the COVID, uh, season was kind of lonely, and I was like, oh, and it it was almost like I thought, oh, I have my real life, and then I have my Zoom life, and it was really like God just showing me that, no, Zoom is real. <laughs> it's real people in real relationships, and uh, and I so I have a bunch of those, and, um, but what's happened, um, what I wanted to just tell you that You know, God is so um, active. He's working, and and COVID is bad. It's bad in India. It's really bad. But God is working, like, powerfully, and it doesn't scare God, you know. It doesn't scare him. It doesn't slow him down. So, um, and we're working also in Sri Lanka. We're, We're also, there are six vineyards in Sri Lanka that we're connected to. And like one of the couples there said, well, they have really strict lockdowns in India and Sri Lanka, so sometimes they can't even leave their house. I mean, very strict. And um, she said, this one girl says, uh, yeah, so when they, you know, locked down and nobody could leave their house, we just opened, 50 houses opened to do discovery groups in the home. And uh, sometimes, you know, neighbors can hear because they live very close together. Sometimes, you know, extended family is there. And so, you know, right away they open 50, is like they open 50 home groups. So that's what happened during COVID, you know, happened all over India. So it's like, um, you know, God can work through hard circumstances. And that's what, you know, you read in the Bible, you know, it was hard stuff going on all throughout the Bible, and yet God was doing powerful things. And there were lots of poor people in India, lots of people that needed food. Um, and so, like, our vineyard churches, just like you guys, started feeding the poor. And uh, even... We even saw, in uh, Hyderabad, several times food actually multiplied. Like, they they were measuring rice, measuring lentils, and then when they gave it away, they gave away more than they had measured. (laughs) It happened several times. They made friends with garbage collectors, and they found out there was this whole village of garbage collectors, And when they went to uh, give food to them, again, the rice multiplied, like 35 kgs more than they had brought. They gave away. That's a lot, 35 kgs. So kg is like 2 pounds. So it's like 70 pounds of rice was given away that that they did not measure. You know? And uh, so stuff like that happened. I just wanted to share that with you. Um, ah, I didn't bring my notes, but anyway. um, So we're just privileged to be part of this. And and so every week, and we do pray for people with COVID, and a lot of people have had COVID in India and Sri Lanka. In fact, some of our friends have it right now. But um, we have not, none of our friends have passed away except for two 85-year-old men, and they were amazing people. And they, their ministry was um, inherited by their children, and their children are doing wonderful work that um, is multiplying. And so that's what uh, we're celebrating even in the, in the midst of trouble. So anyway, thank you for your prayers. And if you want to join the, the prayer group... Um, You're invited to come anytime on... It's Thursday night. Eastern time, it's 9 o'clock. But it's just one hour, and it's a very powerful time. So Rick's going to share what God's been doing in our lives, um, personally, also during this time.
0: All right. Thank you. (laughs) So this... uh, Thank you, Ellen. So this... uh, handout that was displayed up here. There's a copy of that in the back if, if you'd like to see that further, and that'll let you know, yeah, this one, and it'll let you know uh, some of the key people to be praying for, but also at the bottom of the handout uh, is, the, is Ellen's email. So if you email Ellen and say, hey, I'd really like to join you guys, even if you just joined one time, um, or if you want to do it more often, uh, we'd love to have you join in with us, and each week you'll learn more about these couples, but also other indi- all the different vineyards in India and friends of the vineyard, and uh, you can pray for them. So it's great to be here, and uh, wow, it took Ellen about 30 seconds to get emotional. And I- <laughs> this isn't in my notes, but... Um, I just felt like I wanted to say this. uh, Reese mentioned that we've been friends with you guys for 30 years, and friends with them for 30 years. And i got to tell you, Reese and Mary Margaret, wow. (laughs) Uh, Just to have friends that we feel safe with, Uh, I want to thank you. So we met with them last night. We're just able to, Uh, somehow I don't know what it is I don't know if you guys like do something before we get there or whatever I'm actually not like this Um, I've never had anybody hand me Kleenex in front of a group (laughs) but somehow whenever I meet these guys I end up just like this thing just opens up and I'm like Ellen what just happened I mean you know Stuff I don't even realize that's going on inside, I end up talking to them about. And so anyway, uh, thank you and uh, thank you. love you guys, and, and love your church. Oh boy. Wow. It's, it's a crazy day when I'm more emotional than my wife. <laughs> so as Alan told you, you know, we were used to going back and forth to India. Uh, a lot and uh, as often as we could. And we were there last, uh, I think mid-January, or no, uh, most of the month of February and a little bit into March. And we were getting ready to go back the first week of April. And a couple of days before we were to fly, um, India shut its borders. And we had all sorts of training planned. And so we had done some Zoom training the year before, a couple of classes, and we thought, let's just move all the training we were gonna do on Zoom, and let's open it up to all the churches. And, uh, and we did that. We had, I think, four different classes of uh, an hour and a half to two hours at a time, weekly, and uh, two of them were late night, like 11 o'clock to uh, 12.30, something like that at night, and then two, uh, a week in the morning, early morning, because of the time difference. And we were just pouring ourselves into this. And, and there was kind of a, a desperation, I think. Looking back, I realized part of it was that I just felt all this pressure like, okay, I'm being supported by people like you guys to do missions. And it's hard enough uh, not being able to live in India. And now all of a sudden, we can't even go to India. And so I just think out of uh, this pressure that I was putting on myself, uh, uh, we just jumped into all this activity. And God really used it. It was really good. It really was. And was, there's was a lot of fruit that came out of that. But in the midst of that, I was like, God, you know, everything stopped, you know, you know, it's like I lost my sense of purpose. All of a sudden I couldn't do what I do that I feel good about doing, you know? And uh, so I thought, well, there is this area of prayer that I need to grow in. So I started spending more time with God. And I'd, I, I had a regular habit of, of, of uh, starting the morning with worship and prayer and reading the scriptures. And I started to expand that. And um, in the midst of the worship, after a month or two of this extended uh, worship and reading and prayer time, uh, I started encountering God in a new way and And I had experienced that a couple of times before, but I mean, like seasons in which I'd start to pray, and just the presence of God was so heavy and so sweet. And often, and you're not gonna believe me after I say this, after what just happened, but often I I would be stirred to to tears in God's presence, just touched by his, and that usually doesn't happen. And you're thinking, yeah, right, you know. (laughs) But anyway, it it just doesn't happen that often, but it was happening frequently in these times of, of worship. And, and it was just so sweet, and so those times would get longer, and the presence of God was getting heavier, and I started noticing that I was starting to hear more answers to prayer. I was starting to have God, like, open up uh, things in the scripture. Uh, in the midst of that, I had a really difficult relationship uh, w- between myself and one of my relatives, and I uh, I spent some extended time, a couple days, uh, which is extended for me, fasting. Uh, uh, so several days fasting. I hadn't done that that much, but here I had set aside this time and and got some real direction from God uh, how to proceed in this relationship and had a huge breakthrough. And so all these things started happening in my life. And, and I At one point, after several months of this, I remember the thought coming to my mind where, and I I believe it was the Lord speaking to me, and he reminded me of Revelation 3.20. And some of you are familiar with that passage. It's a very popular passage. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone opens the door, I will come in to them and, and, and we'll have a meal together. We'll have we'll fellowship. There'll be a, a, a measure of intimacy. And 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 I thought, that's it. That's what's happening in my life. And so I, I'd like to have us look at that passage. So if you have your Bible or you can follow up uh, here on the screen. And I, I want us to look at this passage for a few minutes. And, um, and I want to just share some things. Because after I heard God say that, I looked at this passage and started just praying about, okay, God, what are you saying in this passage? Now, before we jump in and read it, let me say that there's two parts primarily to this passage. The first part is rather harsh. When you first read it, there's this tendency to think, oh, wow, this is almost, we can see it through this lens, this way of thinking that's kind of like, okay, this is a hellfire and brimstone preacher talking to me, you know? You wicked sinners, you need to repent of this and this and this, and if not, you're gonna be thrown into hell, you know? We kind of can feel that, that sense that that's what Jesus is saying to us. And, uh, but that, I, I, I realized as I started studying this passage, that's not at all what Jesus is saying—that's not the flavor at all. And in fact, in a minute, I want to show you. Uh, I think what this passage is all about is a loving Father saying, "Our relationship is just so far away from what I want, and and it's it's so bad that that it might not last. It it might." Become completely broken. And so turn from what you're doing. And and I want an intimate relationship with you. That's what I want. And I want that for you. It's not just for me, it's for you. I want that for you. Turn. So if we jump in right at the beginning of the passage, sometimes it's hard to see that flavor. But I want you to catch that first. So we're going to jump into the middle of Revelation chapter 3. And I want us to look at verse, start with verse 19. And we're going to go back in a minute. But first, look at verse 19. Jesus is speaking to the church at Laodicea. And he says, Those whom I love, I rebuke. i just let that, Soak in those I love, I rebuke. Jesus is is not kind of a codependent parent type person. That's like you know I really want you to love me, so I, I'm not going to say some of the things that I'd like to say to you. You know I'm not going to correct you or punish you because of I, I just it's I'm not comfortable with that. I I hope you'll love me. Jesus isn't like that. In fact, he begins this whole passage saying. I am the true and faithful witness. I'm going to tell you the truth. But I want you to know I'm telling you the truth because I love you. You know, when we hear that word rebuke, and then he says repent, again, we we start, we can, from, you know, religious culture, sometimes we can start to feel that that's an angry parent. It's not. It's a loving parent saying these things. And then he moves into that famous verse that demonstrates that love. Behold, look, I stand at the door and knock, and anyone who opens, you know, I'll come in and we'll fellowship together. So that's the interpretive key to this passage. That's the key thing I want you to catch today. The interpretive key is that a loving father is saying to each one of you I'm going to be truthful about what I see about you in Laodicea he's saying that and I think he's saying that to us too I'm going to be truthful with you because I love you and and our relationship is not where it should be so now let's go back and see if you can catch that flavor okay so Revelation chapter 3. Let's start at the beginning with verse 14. And I'll make a few comments as we go on. Jesus writes, uh, Jesus speaks to John and says, To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. So Jesus introduces himself. In a, in a way that uh, is significant to understand in order to really understand what he's saying. So he's telling them right up front, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm the true and faithful witness. And then he says in verse 15, I know your deeds. So when we talk about deeds or works, you know, a good good way to understand that is from John 15. You know, in John 15, it says, uh, I am the vine, you are the branches, and my father is the gardener. He's the vine dresser. And any, any uh, vine that's in me, anybody who abides in me, is going to bear fruit. And my father will prune that if there's fruit. But if there's no fruit, those branches, he removes. So that's kind of a picture uh, of Jesus saying the same thing to this church in Ephesus. You know, I know your deeds, and the deeds that I'm seeing don't reflect you abiding with me. They're not bearing fruit that they should. And so then he says, ah, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, and this is kind of the harsh part, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Now, I always interpreted that uh, very differently, and I'll comment on that in the past. But we need, in, in a minute... But we need to think about, well, what does he mean to the Laodiceans about being lukewarm? Uh, for me, when I thought of being lukewarm, I thought of, well, this is probably people that prayed a prayer to receive Jesus um, and then never really, you know, maybe they came to church sometimes, maybe a lot of times, but but they really weren't obeying Jesus uh, To participate in his kingdom ministry. So I kind of looked at myself and I thought, I'm not lukewarm. I'm not lukewarm. I'm serving God all that I can. I love God so much that I'm, you know, I've decided to become a missionary and I'm going to do this and I do that, you know, that kind of idea. Uh, But I think it's in this verse, it's kind of like, you remember the time when Jesus uh, says, you know, many will come to me and say, I did this, I did that, Um, you know, and he's going to say, I never knew you. That's the flavor here. The issue with, with lukewarmness is the issue of intimacy with God, intimacy with Jesus. It's not all the service that we might do and that really shocked me. I thought, you mean I have been lukewarm? That's, that's what I realized as I looked at this passage and looked at my own life. You know, I, I love God, but he wasn't number one in my life. Ministry was number one. I was being consumed. I was obsessed. I was building some of my sense of self-worth on serving God. And loving God was a distant second. I hope it was even second, you know. But it was behind, definitely. And that was kind of a shock. And, and so I think that's what lukewarmness is. In fact, um, you may have heard of a, a pastor named John Piper. Uh, so as I was studying this passage, I looked at different sermons and different commentaries, and, and I came across this. John Piper said, he said this about lukewarmness. He said, uh, to find out if you are lukewarm, look at your prayer life. It doesn't matter what we think in our head about where we're at. What matters, the test is our prayer life. Am I spending time earnestly seeking a closer relationship with Jesus? Am I talking to Jesus about the things that I am reading in the scriptures? Am I treasuring the things God has shown me in his word? Am I delighting in every glimpse I catch of who God is? Like King David or like Mary of Bethany, you know, who sat at Jesus' feet. Do I hunger for him or are there other things that are driving my life. You know, this morning, uh, uh, we, we sang, I think it was the last song we sang, uh, we sang a song from the words of uh, Matthew 22, where someone asked Jesus, you know, what's the greatest commandment? And we all know, what's the greatest commandment? Love God with all your heart. Wow. Love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. What what does it look like to love God with all our mind? We need to think that through. I never stopped to think about that. And, and Mark, in, in his presentation of this, adds a, a fourth thing that Jesus said, and with all your strength. What does it mean to love God? I realized as I was... Being confronted about my lukewarmness, that that I believed that scripture, I would say I, I love God, and kind of my assumption was, well, I, I guess I love God with all my heart, all my soul. I, I don't love anyone else more than that, you know. But my deeds demonstrated that there were other things that I loved more my time, my energy, my focus, my passions were wrapped up in other things. As you go on in the passage, we don't have time to go in depth, but as you go on in the passage, uh, Jesus says to the people, you know, you say, I'm rich, I don't need anything. Um, But you don't realize that you're wretched pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Now, we can get caught up with some of those words, and they feel kind of harsh, but the point is what I realized is Jesus was saying, you're looking at yourself one way. You're looking at our relationship, my relationship with Jesus one way, but you don't realize that's not what I see. I'm seeing something different. They were blind to their own spiritual condition. And I think that's the nature, that's one of the characteristics of being lukewarm, is we're in a place where we don't realize what we're missing out on. And Jesus is using pretty intense language to kind of shake us. Wake up! You know, Jesus was, I mean, you know, just the thought, am I lukewarm? It was like this question that I asked myself, and and as the answer came back over a few weeks of realization, I was like, I guess that is what it means. It's pretty shocking. And as I thought about it, I realized as a loving father, he was shaking me pretty hard to wake me up. Why? Because he loves me, and he loves you. So, I took away a couple things from this that I want to mention to you. The first thing is that God's call on our life is that He wants to have an intimate relationship with each and every one of us. That's what He wants out of this. You know, there's lots of things that we want, and He's been very generous with us. But what He doesn't want, is for when we get what we want from Him, some of the things, some of the answers to prayer, all the different stuff. What He doesn't want is for us to be so satisfied that we really don't care that much about the relationship. He wants an intimate relationship with us, and He wants that for us. And that's true of everybody. The second thing that I realized in this whole process is hey, I've been here before. <laughs> this isn't the first time. You know, I remember in, uh, early on, and I, I won't tell all these stories, but early, early on in the vineyard, uh, I went to a conference. God just blasted me with the Holy Spirit. Uh, I came into a meeting, and the Holy Spirit came upon me. I began weeping it's a familiar theme tonight, or this morning, I mean, uh, began weeping, and I thought I was having a mental breakdown. I had never been, I couldn't remember before that crying. But here I was, 26 years old, and the, I didn't even know it was the Holy Spirit, but I started weeping, and I thought, oh, something's, I, I think I'm having a mental breakdown. So I sat back down, took a deep breath. <sighs> okay, I gotta get, a, okay, I'm gonna be okay I started thinking about the things going on in my life. You know, I talked myself down off the ledge a little bit, you know. Okay, stood back up and worship. Same thing happened two or three times. I thought, wow, that was weird. So the whole worship time went like that. Standing up, getting overwhelmed, sat down. Deep breaths, thinking through. Okay, something weird's happened. So over and over again. At the end of the service, they gave an altar call. Actually, they said they were gonna have an altar call. I came forward before he had actually invited people up and the Holy Spirit came upon me. I started weeping. Somebody prayed for me, just huge healing, empowering. I don't even know all the different things, probably deliverance, just a lot happened. And I began not weeping, wailing. I mean, just huge. And for the next six months, there was this incredible sweetness that was so fresh in my relationship with God. But over time, ministry and responsibilities and other things choked that out. I still loved God, but there wasn't that sweetness. There wasn't intimacy. A few years later, I think it was probably five years later, that's the sad thing. As I look back, another season, a couple of months, maybe a little bit longer, intimacy with God, so sweet, but then it, you know, uh, it it uh, faded. Maybe is a good word, and I didn't notice it. That's the sad thing. I didn't notice it. It was subtle. So it happened multiple times. So the thing I learned from this, because I mean, let's face it, you know, we are stuck for a year and a half so far not being able to do the things we had done. God's like, okay, I think we're gonna have to extend this a little time for Rick, you know, and maybe a, a few others of you. I maybe haven't gotten this yet, but I want you to make a major change in your life and, and don't go back. And that's been the challenge of my life lately. And, um, and so I've been praying and saying, God, I don't want this to keep happening. And uh, I want this to be the rest of my life. I want to put you first and ministry or whatever else you want me to do, I want that to be first. Just to really drive this home, God gave me a dream last night, and in the dream... Without giving you a lot of details, I, I, I used to swim, I, I don't, anyway, don't want to go into all this, but um, I'm trying to decide how much of the dream to tell you. So in the dream, I'm at this missions meeting, and we're strategizing how to reach the lost in this one area. I don't know where we were, but I'm with a bunch of missionaries. The meeting's over, we've made this strategy, and I realize I only have... A, have you been watching the Olympics? I have a speedo on. Okay, now that's really weird. I used to swim competitively, and those things, I mean, you'd wear, I'd wear shorts before I went up, and the most embarrassing time in my life is when I had to take those off and start swimming. So here I am at this missions meeting, and I realize you know, and I've never had a dream like that before, but It's the closest thing I think. I think God knew that I felt naked at that point. You know, I wasn't really naked, but it was as near as I ever want to be in public. So that's in my dream. After a missions training meeting, right? Scene two, and this is like a two-part dream, which I've never had a two-part dream. So immediately, I'm in a boat with some people that I'm trying to rescue, and we're flying down this uh, river or something and suddenly we're uh, surrounded by police and we're arrested. And I wake up. Our strategy had failed, and I thought, Lord, what was that, you know, why am I in public in a Speedo, you know, and why why do I, why did I get arrested, you know, and I realized, Jesus was just driving this point home. (laughs) You can't do anything without me. If it's just you, you're naked, pitiful, poor, blind, and... I said naked twice, right? Pitiful, poor, blind, and naked is the last one, you know? Uh, And what you do isn't going to bear fruit. And so... uh, I want to have a stand, and and I I want us to just uh, pray about this and and just ask God, God, will you show me where I'm at? Will you show me where I'm at? And in a few minutes, uh, we're going to have some ministry time, but in the meantime, I want you to just ask, Lord, what is a good first step for me right now? in following Jesus and getting closer to Jesus is there anything I need to repent of is there anything I need to start doing so let's just take a minute and do that right now come Lord come and speak to us Lord open our eyes as a loving Father draw us close knock at our hearts Lord We want to open that door and we want it to last, Lord.